Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Eric Musselman of Nevada. I was in his office last week in Reno as we discuss the rise of the Wolfpack. And then I had a chance to catch up with Killian Tilly of Gonzaga, who may have the most important injury of any player this season. The Zags desperately need him back. We saw that displayed against North Carolina on Saturday. They miss his offense. They miss his potential rim protection. Gino Crandall also out for the Zags. Uh, They need him to be backing up Josh Perkins. So Tilly will discuss and tell you his timeline for return, the frustrations of not playing against Florida State in the Sweet 16, not being able to play the beginning of this season, two unrelated injuries, uh, just frustrated right now and wants to get back onto the court. And you'll hear his timeline for doing so as I had a chance to be with him in Spokane last week. So last week I was in Spokane and Reno in addition to some Big Ten Network assignments at Minnesota, Michigan State, and the NCAA Volleyball Championships in Minneapolis. But these are pieces that you'll see on Turner and, and NCAA.com, March Madness, hanging out with the Zags and the Wolfpack. Uh, in terms of our Power 36 uh, against the AP poll, uh, I've got Michigan still number one. I think they're the best team in the country right now with Tennessee at 1A. Tennessee went into a hostile FedEx forum beat Memphis. Admiral Schofield was my national player of the week. And the Vols look like a potential championship team. Uh, the Wolverines uh, continue to win. A little bit of a lull of a game against Western Michigan, but love the where they're playing right now. Virginia, the same thing. Duke in my top four. Gonzaga slid out. I had them slide more because they did not look good Saturday, even though they're without those players I just mentioned at North Carolina. I jumped North Carolina way up all the way up to the top 10 because they look like a top 10 team. My power 36 is always about how you look right now. That's what I'm judging. Doesn't mean these teams are going to be the top seeds. Monster game this week coming up. Texas Tech Duke on Thursday. Um, huge, 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 huge. At the Garden, the Red Raiders are the surprise team in the country this season right now. Say Ohio State 2, Texas Tech 1. And that's just going to be a monster match, match uh, matchup. Kansas, they're number one in the AP poll. They're six for me because they've been winning games in the last possession, essentially, without Yudoka Azubuke, who's out with an ankle injury. They're not the same team. Yes, they keep winning, 
But Stanford, New Mexico State, and even a re, I don't know if I'd say rebuilding, but uh, Villanova, it's not the same. So I just don't know how good Kansas is right now without Azubuke. Uh, Houston's having a great season. Comeback wins over St. Louis at LSU. They made my top 15 Indiana with a buzzer beater to beat Butler by Rob Finnessy on a broken play. Oklahoma, I would say, is another surprise. They're in my top 25. Arizona State right now is the best team in the Pac-12. And the Sun Devils won at Georgia, came back from 18. They're at Vanderbilt as we're taping. And they are hosting Kansas later in the week. So we're going to know a lot about Kansas and Arizona State by weekend. NC State's playing great. They cracked my 36. I put Kentucky back in after they just basically destroyed Utah. And Butler made an appearance after nearly beating Indiana. So there's a lot of candidates for that last spot. I debated Tulsa, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Temple. A lot of teams that you could put there. It's, it's, it's a very fluid situation right now. But, you know, I, I do think that the national champion is still going to come from maybe that, that top 11. I'm now saying 11 because I have Gonzaga 11. But I still would have Gonzaga as the number one seed today. So the big question is, though, the status of Killian Tilly. Because that will determine whether or not the Zags are a potential national champion. And I want you to hear that first. So coming up next on March Madness 365, my conversation with Killian Tilly. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Killian Tilly from Gonzaga. We are here at the kennel. Uh, Killian, let's first update your right foot. Where do you stand in your recovery process? It's feeling good, you know, better and better. Still a, a slow process. I uh, started working and uh, so doing more stuff and... Uh, but still uh, taking my time uh, before I get back on the court, you know. Yeah. So I know the timetable is not to rush it because the big picture is to compete for a national championship, not just win a WCC game. How much has that been conveyed to you that to take your time and if it's, you know, end of December, early January, mid-January, that, you know, you're going to be out there when you are ready? Yeah, uh, I think it's very important, you know. I've talked to uh, a lot of people that told me to not rush it and that there's no really big reasons to, to rush it. The most important it was to be uh, ready at the end. The end. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, very important to just, you know, take my time and, and really come back when I'm, I'm 100% ready. Yeah. So realistically, though, for you to be in game shape, how much time do you think you would need? Would you need, you know, a week of practice, two weeks before you step on for, you know, a highly competitive game? Oh, yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not sure yet, but I, I know it's going to be tough at the beginning. You know, uh, I'm going to have uh, some rough games, just, you know, cardio and, and also, like, the, just the feel of playing. And, uh, yeah, it'll probably need, it'll need me, like, uh, a few weeks. But, yeah, I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. What's it been like to watch number one team in the country uh, prior to the Tennessee game, but craziness of the Duke game in Maui, you know, at Creighton, home Washington, Tennessee, those kind of games – and know that you could be out there if you weren't hurt and that you're a big piece of this team. Yeah, I think I was really impressed by, by what the, the team was doing, uh, especially in, in Maui. It was really uh, it was impressive, you know, what they did to, to these, during these three games and the, and the last game against Duke and also, you know, beating Crater on the road, beating UW here. And um, they just did a, a good job, you know, played together and uh, for these first uh, games and... Um, so, uh, yeah, I was just enjoying it. And 
of course I wanted to play in it, but, you know, I was just, you know, supporting them. In your absence, Brandon Clark has been phenomenal. You practiced against him last season. Yeah. Uh, what did you expect from Brandon Clark once he was eligible this season? Well, of course, uh, you know, uh, I practiced with him the whole year, the whole last year, and we knew what, what he was capable of, and uh, it was, a, I think it was a tough year for him last year, you know, just not being able to show everybody what, what he could do, but, you know, he's doing a great job uh, early this season, and uh, and I really, I, I knew he was going to do some, some things like that, even some more crazy things are coming, you know, because he's a, really a freak athlete. So it's it's really fun to, to see him play, yeah. You've seen Rui from the beginning. Yeah. He's now a player of the year candidate. Mm. What's impressed you the most? Uh, just, you know, um, uh, his poise and how, uh, you know, he comes every night and uh, and gets the same, you know, game, same how, uh, you know, like confident he is. And, uh, you know, every game he's, uh, he's stepping up. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's really impressive how, you know, confident he is you know taking more shots compared to the, his first two years here and uh yeah so it's, it's cool to see him like that yeah what do you think you'll bring once you're back on the floor that's been maybe missing right now yeah maybe just moving the ball more uh also you know uh, got a, a big guy that can step out step out more so we it's gonna be a, a little harder for them to to guard us and um and maybe also defensively because we that's what we need right now uh more presence uh, inside and more bodies is going to be really helpful, you know, because we, we don't play a, a lot of guys, and at the end of the games, or it's getting a little hard. And uh, so one more body, would be, I think, would be very helpful for, for the team. Take me back to the Florida State game. You go off for warm-ups, and then you can't go, yeah. uh, which was, I know, incredibly disappointing for you. Um, wh- when did you know at that moment that I, I just can't play? Well, first it happened like two days before the, the game, and uh, I knew it was going to be tough to, to play the game. And uh, so uh, I just, you know, try to get shots in my body, paint shots, everything, and uh, try to play through it. And uh, so the first the first few minutes were, were pretty good, you know, in the, in the warm-up. And then I just did one movement, and I felt it like really, really, uh, really bad and couldn't even maybe walk uh, walk anymore. It was that painful couldn't even like laugh because it was it was so painful and um so it was just yeah very frustrating because uh, i thought i was gonna play and yeah so with that being said what happened with the florida state game the foot at the beginning of this season how hungry are you to, oh to get God. back out there because of these big moments that you, that you can't get back that you've unfortunately missed yeah oh very you know i'm gonna come back i'm gonna be a a hungry man I'm uh, just know you know play hard every every seconds I play because I'm gonna enjoy every second I play, and uh, I'll be waiting for this the the whole time and hey, I can't wait to to be back. Yeah, I mean it's got to make you feel just how precious every game is oh, because yeah. you've had to miss so many critical ones. And also you know how how short uh, the NCAA, NCAA season is. You know I'm, I'm with this lower injury I'm, I'll probably miss the half of the season so. You know, I'm gonna have only one half to show my show. You know how how I can play and how we how the team can can go uh, until to go to the final four. So uh, I'm gonna help the team to achieve this this uh, dream we have and um, and this goal we have. So yeah, we we have a, a lot coming. Well, it certainly would be wonderful if you could cap it by getting back to the final four after everything that you've been through. That'd be yeah, that'd be big time, big time.
All right, last Achilles before I let you go. In a perfect world, do you, would you hope mid-January? What would be the perfect world without rushing it? Yeah, uh, yeah, around mid-January would be the the perfect. Uh, yeah, would be great. Yeah. Well, Killing, we look forward to seeing you back on the court. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And up next here on March Madness 365, I stay out west and sit down with Nevada's Eric Musselman. And joining me now here on March Madness 365, Eric Musselman, the head coach of the Nevada Wolfpack. They are a top 10 team creeping up higher and higher in the polls. Eric, at this juncture in the season, you guys went through a gauntlet of road games, some true, some just on neutral courts. Uh, what was your biggest concern as you were going through that portion of the schedule? I think, one, how to keep everybody healthy was the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, the scariest segment of that whole thing was uh, playing at USC, then a neutral site back in L.A. Um, against Arizona State, and then playing Grand Canyon. And, you know, every all of our guys knew those Pac-12 names, but then when you play Grand Canyon, I don't think they understand or understood how well coached they were by Dan Marley, and then you add in the Havoc crowd, 7,000 students, even though it was supposed to be a neutral site game. Somehow the PA system in the Phoenix Suns Arena, Talking Sticks, somehow they had every choreographed song that their student section knew. So it was a difficult stretch for us, but we got through it, and and now the schedule evens out where we get basically a home and, and road the rest of the way. What's been the difference with your veteran guys, the Martin Twins, Jordan Caroline, uh, especially those three, in coming back this season versus when you started last season? I think a lot. I mean, just our top three guys, there's so much trust. It's a player-run program right now. I mean, Jordan Caroline's been here long enough that he knows exactly how I'm going to react to every situation, good and bad. And Caleb and Cody are awesome because they have such great internal leadership and those two guys, like, they're their biggest critics during games. Like, Caleb will get yelled at by Cody that he's got to defend better, and Caleb will yell at Cody to take an open three. And our timeouts are, you can tell it's a veteran-laden crew. It's almost like an NBA timeout because the players talk as much as the coaching staff talks, and that's what you get at the next level, and I think that's what you get when you have veteran players who are confident. That's kind of what I saw when I watched your practice in Las Vegas, that even though you'd already practiced that day, and it was more of a shoot-around type thing, but there just seemed uh, a professionalism about the group. You've been around, obviously, at the professional level. How hard was that for you to sort of relax the reins a little bit to give them that kind of trusted freedom? Well, they've earned the trust, you know, and and I think if I go out on a recruiting trip and miss practice, it's okay because I know that these guys are going to, perform as if I was there whether an assistant coach is putting them through practice and even in the summer with the time limits that you have we feel like our guys are going to conduct their own individual stuff as well as they would with us there and they're so demanding of each other uh, which is what you know we feel great teams have to be the 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 Martin twins and Jordan um, you know they're the big names but what I've loved about watching your team in person from afar is the rotation, the role guys, you know, you found the right fit, whether it's Thurman, whether it's Jazz Johnson, obviously you had the high-profile uh, freshman in Jordan Brown. Um, I'm not saying it's a gamble, but you didn't know how it was all going to fit. Uh, how would you assess the way all these pieces have come together so far this season? 
Well, it's it was a struggle because we only had three guys that were in uniform last year, and and everybody else hadn't played for us, and so uh, we didn't know even. Although some had sat out and and practiced, out, but they hadn't actually played uh, for us and put on a uniform. So when we go back even to our Washington exhibition game, uh, we started a real big lineup. Jordan Brown was starting along with uh, Trey Porter, and we didn't know who was going to be the first guard off the bench. Corey Henson at one point was our leader ahead of Jazz Johnson and Nisre. And, and then Nisre Zuzwa was, was, was ahead of those other two guys. And then eventually we got to the point where Jazz Johnson was the first guard off the bench. So we're still, in my eyes, we're still a work in progress, which what is what excites us towards the end of the year, how much more we can evolve. But you're right, Andy. Like you look at a guy like Trey Thurman, right now he's one of our most valuable pieces. He guards really good upfront players on the opposing team. He doesn't care if he takes a shot. He's a great screen setter for us, does all the dirty work, rebounds the ball. And so from a role standpoint, guys have really started to accept what we need. So how did you get them to all buy in? I think uh, a lot of the guys are really appreciative to be on a winning team. Um, Many of our guys did not envision uh, us being a top 10 team. Now, I think Jordan Caroline, Caleb Martin, Cody Martin, when they decided to come back, they're not going to be happy unless they're in the top five all year long. Um, that's just their mentality. Uh, but some of the other guys, like you take a guy like Jazz Johnson who played at Portland, they did not win a lot of games. Now he's like the fourth leading scorer on a top ten team in the country. He could not be more excited about everything that's going on, even though he's coming off the bench instead of starting. Uh, Trey Thurman, all he wanted to do was be a part of a winning program and figure out a way to contribute and feel a part of something. And so I think that's kind of the way we are all the way through this roster. we got a lot of guys uh, that came here to win and experience a winning environment, although maybe 10, 12 years ago people didn't think that that was the case. And, And right now that's what's going on here. So I'm going to draw a little parallel with Gonzaga. The reason they always stack their non-conference is the WCC consistently has not been as elite. Obviously, there's been moments with St. Mary's and BYU, um, and their league's going to be better this season. The Mountain West is obviously, the records indicate, it's, it's not having a great year outside of Nevada. So you guys have had to take care of a lot of business. But when you go on the road in the Mountain West, similar to Gonzaga and the WCC, you're going to be the biggest game. You may be the sellout. Every time you go on the road, maybe the only sellout in those respective places around the Mountain West. How ready is your group for handling that kind of pressure? Well, I think, number one, we had pressure opening night all the way through this first segment of games um, because of the hype and preseason stuff, as we talked about. But we go to USC, and I've been to plenty of USC games. I've never seen their student section like that. The only time is on TV when they're playing UCLA. So it was a tough environment at SC with their student section. They had a rapper before the game. They had a rapper at halftime. Um, So their student section was fired up. And then when we go to Loyola, I'm back in the locker room with with, with a couple assistant coaches, and I hear the overrated chant start. And then you go out there, and it's sold out, and there's not a – you couldn't fit anybody else in that building – that was a hard environment when you're talking about, uh, you know, a repeat of the Sweet 16 match and it's in their own building. And, and we know that uh, going to Utah is going to be really, really difficult. So we hope that all these things have kind of prepared us. And then you look at the Grand Canyon student section, couldn't be any more 
of a college type environment. So, but we know, hey, San Diego State's going to be hard. Wyoming's hard to get to. New Mexico's got an incredible crowd. So, Utah State student section's great. So, we got our work cut out for us for sure. I don't want to get too far ahead. Uh, this is more my job than yours, but I know you've got a group that thinks and certainly can be a deep NCAA tournament team, get to the Final Four. But to do that, it's certainly easier if you are a higher seed. How much are you savvy to that saying, you know what, we've got a team that's good enough to be a one or a two, and for us to reach our goals, that also is going to be pretty important. And to do that, we've got to take care of business. No, I mean, I think for us, it's like, you know, how do we win each game? And just that's all we can worry about. We can't focus on, you know, winning three games in a row. It's got to be how do we win the next game on our schedule? And it's interesting, Andy, because I actually talked to the team the other day about when we lose a game, if we lose a game, how we have to act as as a group that we have to put that behind us just as we have to put a win behind us and move on to the next game. Because I think, you know, with, with young student-athletes, like, there's, it's so much of a mental game. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to win a game and get too high, and we don't want to lose a game if that happens, when that happens, and not be able to react to it. So I wanted to kind of meet this thing before um, and talk about it. Something Chuck Daly talked about a lot was – looking into the future at different scenarios that could happen and talking about how you react as a team or as a group. I know you don't know this now, but how do you think this group will react to that? I think this group will will react well. I really do. I think that they're a smart group. They're a veteran group, and I don't have any question uh, that they'll respond in the appropriate way, just like they respond well when we get down in games. They usually find a way to figure out and at least give ourselves a chance down the stretch. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for hosting me. (laughs) Thanks so much, Andy. Appreciate you having me. (laughs) And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. As always, deeply appreciate you listening to our podcast. You can find our podcast wherever you go to get your podcast on iTunes. And, of course, we put it up on NCAA.com. We embed it in stories. It comes out through March Madness on Twitter, Facebook. So wherever you want to find this, search it. You can. And we appreciate you listening. Have a good week.